Tony, uh, our campus director, did a good job last week. What, what do you think? I heard. I, actually, my wife and I, we were driving back from New, Me- New Mexico. We had been visiting our kids and listening to it, and I thought, man, he, he's good, man. He's not quite as good as me, but he's pretty good. He's, he's, he's getting there. No, no, he's, he's great. Uh, and I was really inspired. We were just completely inspired by what he had to say. So if you know, uh, if you heard it last week, and you know we're doing in a brand new series, Asking for a Friend, and it's about the, the life of, of David. Um, so last week, I got the opportunity, and I was on Facebook. Some of you saw my stuff, and we had a really, really fun time visiting with, our, with uh, Rachel, our daughter, and, and uh, Micah, our son-in-law, and, and our two granddaughters that are just beautiful. We celebrated Keaton's uh, first birthday, and then Bailey's going to be four years old, believe it or not, uh, real quick. For those of you who know my little character, Bailey, uh, my wife's little uh, mini-me. Uh, anyway, uh, while we were there, I did a lot of, we did a lot of time at parks, and I don't normally hang out at uh, like kitty parks, but it's, uh, we were in a place called Rodoso. Anybody ever been to Rodoso before? New, New Mexico? It's, it's, it's like a resort community, and it's really beautiful. But, you know, I'm, I'm here at the, at the park, and I'm playing with Bailey. And uh, so I kind of got back into kids' world a little bit. Haven't had a chance to do that for a while, and it kind of brought me back. I'm like, wow, this is really fun. And, and you know, the swings and the jungle gym and the merry-go-rounds and all that kind of stuff. And, but while I'm there, all these kids are around me, and they're just, like, right in front of you. And they're like, hey, watch me, I'm swinging, you know, and you're like, yeah, you are, you're doing great, and one little kid came up to me, and he goes, I'm strong, and I go, you are, you are strong, and it was just really fun to be kind of in the mix with all these kids, and, 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 the, and the thing that every kid, and this never goes away in our life, you, you take this to the end of your life, there's something inside of them that says, I matter. My, I want you to see me. My life makes a difference. And, and, I, and I want to begin with that, really that question, how do I live a life that, that matters? Now, as a pastor, not only do I get to dedicate babies, which is really cool. I was a youth pastor for many years, and, and so just watching you know, students grow up through high school, college, and moving on, um, that's been such a privilege. And so I sort of get to watch people journey through their life and see, see what happens, and, and maybe kind of answer that question, you know, like, does their life matter? And, and so I, I get to see it on the other end of it, too, because I do funerals and celebrations of life. And so I, I have to tell you that uh, it's, it's so inspiring to many times go to a funeral and, and uh, at the end of it, you know, people are standing up and they're walking up and they're saying, like, man, they were so kind and they were so compassionate and they always had time for people and, you know, they love kids and then they gave them themselves and you're like, oh, man, I love it. But then there's the other kind. And man, I've done too many of those other kind. You know, where there's not a whole lot being said. You know, you can just feel it in the room. You're kind of looking around and you're thinking, uh-oh. Somebody didn't finish well. Somebody just didn't get it going. It's, somehow, it just seems like... And, 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 it, and it's things, things like this. You know, somebody walks up and finally says, Oh, uh, yeah, um, Larry. Mm. Boy, the guy sure could bowl. Man, he was a good bowler. And everybody's like, mm, yeah, 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 everybody's a good bowler. You know, and somebody comes up and says, yeah, man, he, that guy could drink, man. He could hold his liquor. And you're like, yeah, okay. And this, is, this becomes the summation of a life. And you're just wondering if Larry was in the room and seeing this, if he just wouldn't scream and say, what did I do with my life? I mean, they remember me for being a bowler? That I could hold my liquor? And how awful would that be? And so today, again, I, I want us to, to think about that. Maybe, 
you know, at this point, you still have enough time to reverse engineer your whole life and say, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, the, how it's all going to end. And so we can, we can make some changes. So it's, it's really about legacy. It's, it's about my legacy when I leverage my resources and all that my life is. And there's, there's two ways you can leverage it. You can either leverage your life towards yourself so that you make yourself more comfortable and, and you make your life work for you and you're going, man, I got it going on, man. Or, or you can leverage your life so that it actually works for other people and blesses them. And, and so that one day at the end of your life, and maybe Pastor Steve is standing there saying, hey, you know, he was an amazing man or she was an incredible woman. And, and that's something that you'll have established. You'll have established a, a legacy. So today we're going to look at the legacy uh, really idea through a story. And you're going to find this in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 24, which is actually the very last chapter of this book, and we're going through the life of David, and if, uh, if you were here last week and you heard Tony talk about uh, the beginning of David's life, really, uh, he was uh, 15 years old when he was anointed to be king of Israel by Samuel the prophet, and uh, so today what we're going to do is we're going to leap way forward in, this, in, the, in the David story. This is actually towards the end of his life, and, and uh, in this series, by the way, we're going to be jumping around. Next week, we're going to go back towards the, more towards the beginning again. But so this is towards the end, and before we read, I need to give you the backstory. otherwise when I read these verses, it won't make sense to you at all. So real, really, real quickly, let me tell you kind of what, what's going on here. David is um, getting very close to the end of his kingdom, and he's very famous, he's very powerful, he's, uh, he's celebrated, and, and songs have been sung about him. He, he's known as a warrior. He's known as one who, is, who has brought the nation of Israel together. The northern and the southern kingdom have, have been consolidated and brought together. And, and so he's all that, but he's also a man who's made some really, really serious mistakes. And the nation knows about that too. How many of you have ever heard that people that have oftentimes great strengths have great weaknesses as well? And, and really David personifies that in, in his life. And so let me tell you about a very bad decision that he made. This might be a new story to some of you. And if you want to go home and read about it a little bit later on, you should check this story out. So in, in chapter 24, the way it begins is David, for whatever reason, I guess he's kind of feeling his oats. You know, he's consolidated the nation. Everything seems to be good. You know, the enemies are at bay. Everything is great. And uh, one day he says, hey, uh, to his commander of his armies, hey, Joab, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out and I want you to count all the soldiers. Now, this was a big, big no-no, and Joab knew it, and he said, oh, King David, please, no, don't do that. That's going to be super displeasing to God. And you might ask the question, well, why would God be displeased about that? Because God wanted David to trust in God, not in his armies, not in his soldiers. And so, despite, you know, what his advisor said to him, yeah, don't do this, David says, I'm the king, do it. And so they count all the armies, and, and there's a lot of people, you know. There's, there's, there's like 800,000 people, soldiers in Israel, and there's like 500 in, in Judah, so it looks good. And, uh, but it says that after David did that, he was conscious stricken. Anybody here ever been conscious stricken after you did something? You're like, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. And it was a really, really bad decision, because look what happens as a result of this decision, okay? God, he says, okay, and he says to a guy named uh, Gad, who's really a prophet, he says, I want you to go to David. I want you to tell him he's going to be punished for it, but he himself is not going to really suffer the punishment. It's, well, here's how it goes. Three choices do you get, David. 
And your first choice is either three years of famine for your land. And David goes, no, I don't want that one. He goes, three months of your enemies chasing you down. And David goes, I don't want that one either. He goes, or three days of plague. And David says, well, I think God's pretty merciful. I'll, I'll choose that one. And so he chooses that. And so for three days, if we're going to pick up the story here. For three days, there's been a plague as a result of a bad decision. And 70,000 people have already died as a result of this bad decision. Now, before we jump all over David, because it'd be easy to just judge him right now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever made a really, really bad decision that had horrible repercussions? And raise your hand if, if that's, that's you. Yeah, some of you know what I'm talking about. If you've lived long enough, somewhere along the line, it was like, that's how I lost my marriage. You know, that's how we lost our, our home. That's how my career went sideways. All those things. I made some really, really bad decisions. So David makes a really, really bad decision. So let's pick up the story, uh, beginning with um, verse 18. On that day, what day? On the third day after the plague had started, Gad went to David and he said to him, Go up and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arana, the Jebusite. And so David went up as the Lord God had commanded through Gad. And when Arana looked up and he saw the king and his men coming toward him, he went out and he bowed before the king with his face to the ground. Now you have to kind of wonder what Arana was thinking about this. Uh, you know, he, he's out there on the threshing floor. The threshing floor would be a place that was usually high. The elevation was pretty high. It had to be a strategic place where the wind blew really well. If you've ever watched, even today in third world countries, when they're threshing wheat, they're throwing the shaft up in the air and separating the wheat. So it has to be uh, that kind of a place. And usually it was a valuable spot. This is where he's at. Arana said, why has my lord the king come to his servant? To buy your threshing floor, David answered. And so I, I built an altar to the lord that the plague on the people may be stopped. And Arana said to David, let my lord the king take whatever pleases him and offer it up. Here are oxen for the burnt offering, and here are threshing, threshing sledges, ox yokes for the wood. O king, Arana, O king, Arana gives this all to the king. And Arana also said to him, may the lord your God accept you. But the king replied to Arana, no, no. I insist on paying for it. And this is kind of the, the hinge point of, of, of the whole thing. He says, I will not sacrifice to the Lord, my God, burnt offerings that cost me nothing. And so David bought the threshing floor and the oxen, and he paid 50 shekels of silver for them. And David built an altar to the Lord, and there, and he sacrificed burnt offering and fellowship offering. And then the Lord answered the prayer on behalf of the land, and the plague on Israel was stopped. All right. First thing I want you to note here is, is that uh, Arana, the way that he responds to David, he really sees himself as a servant to David, even though David is really messed up in, in a big way. He says, you know, he bows down. He says, why is my Lord come to, to his servant? Now, here, there's, a, there's a kind of generosity that he's extending to King David that I think sometimes we all struggle with a little bit. And, and let me just talk about that for a minute. Who, who brought this problem on Israel? David, right? It was his screw-up. He's the one that, that messed. Why should everybody else pay for the sins of one man? 
Wouldn't it be easy just to kind of throw David under the bus and say, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to give you my property. And by the way, it was very valuable property. In fact, in fact, I'd like you to leave right now because a lot of people have died because of you. You'd be really angry about that. I, I, I really believe, as I was looking over this and read, read this story, reread this story this week, I felt like there was a principle here. And that is that sometimes when somebody else's mess affects us, we're not very generous about it. We're pretty critical about it. And we, we have this mentality that says, it was your screw-up, you take care of it. You know, you, 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 know you, you just have to deal with it yourself. Why should I get involved? You made your bed, sleep in it. Be easy to say that, wouldn't it? But, I, but look what he says. He wants to help. And here's why I, I feel like I need to talk about this principle. Because all around us, and even sometimes inside of our lives, and sometimes inside of our, even of our, our marriages, we make bad decisions. And don't we hope and wish that people will extend us some generosity that says, well, okay, yeah, you really messed it up. But uh, I'm, I'm here to be a part of the solution, uh, not to make the problem worse. And, and, I, and I, really, I believe that principle should be inside of our hearts as Christ followers. Because everywhere we look, people are screwing up, right? Politicians are messing up all the time. Maybe your boss, your, 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 whoever you work for. Uh, and, and so there's that part of us that says, well, I'm not taking any responsibility for this. But I think that as Christ followers, that we should always look at ourselves and say, how can I be a part of the solution rather than a part of the problem? Especially when people are concerned. Especially when we can do something to, to make a difference. Whether it's one person's fault or whether it's a lot of people's fault. That we would be generous in our hearts and say, I'm here to help. I'm here to help. And I, I don't know how that speaks to you and what area of your life that would speak to you today. But take hold of that and just ponder that. Okay, think about that a little bit if you would. We need to decide to live like everything that we have does not belong to us. And I love the fact that that's the way Arana really, really sees it. He said to David, let my lord the king take whatever he wishes, which is like really big of him because this is a very valuable piece of property. He says, go ahead. I, I love what it says in Psalms 24. One, it says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it and the world and all who live in it. A long time ago, I married a beautiful woman named Karen. And uh, how many of you have discovered that when you marry somebody, you don't know it, but you're often marrying your opposite? Yeah, yeah. God kind of tricks us that way. And so anyway, um, I, I didn't know this about Karen, but see, I grew up in a home where uh, my dad was a depression guy. He grew up in the, in the depression area, kind of the tail end of it. And, and, and so he had this thing inside of him, like he was a hardworking guy. My dad was really successful. Uh, but he, he really had a hard time letting go of his stuff. I mean, his stuff was everything to him. And, you know, it was kind of, that's just the way it was. You didn't use his stuff, borrow his stuff. You know, it was his stuff. And, and it's like, oh, okay. Everybody kind of knew that about my dad. Now, he was a generous guy in a certain way. He supported the church. He gave money to missionaries. But his stuff was his stuff. And so that kind of got inside of me. And so, you know, I married Karen. And, I mean, we had not been very, married very long at all. And I'd come home and, like, a piece of furniture would be missing. And I'm like, um, what happened to that chair that was over there? And that's the chair I sit in every day. Oh, um, yeah, Lisa needed that chair. Lisa? Who's Lisa? Well, she's this person, and she's really down and out right now. And so, and, and I'm like, what? You took my chair, and you gave it to somebody? 
And so this is just the beginning of it, man. I mean, I never knew what was going to be missing, what was going to be have given away, who was going to be staying at our house. That was another thing. I grew up in a house like it was the castle, it was a fortress, you know, and you had to have special permission to stay at our house. And I come home and, you know, I, like, it was like the person of the week. I, Karen, who, what are you doing? And so I started praying for my wife. I'm like, God, help my wife. <laughs> She's got some kind of disease or something. I don't know what it is. She just does not understand. In the meantime, my wife is praying for me. God, help Steve. He's so stingy. You know, help him to be generous. I'm like, and her, her prayers prevailed. Uh, not without a fight. And even today, you know, it's, it's still, and, and God, is, it's been a journey for me. But, but, but I got to tell you, it's this, this mentality of it, it, it's on loan from God, it, it's not mine, has really, really changed my life. Because it, it, it really is. When you think about it, what it says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, we go, well, no, but I work for it and, and it's mine and, you know, I can show you the ownership slip and, and you know, all that kind of stuff. It, it, it's mine. And God said, not, not really. It's actually all mine. And, and, you know, by the way, I gave you the talent and the abilities and, you know, that job you have, you know. You should say thank you to me. And, and, and so all, it all, all belongs to me. And if you begin to see it that way, it'll begin to just change you. Just begin to, to change your life. Uh, so what that means is we have the opportunity, especially as Americans, especially, we get to sort of repurpose the resources in our life so that they can benefit others. That's what happens here. He goes, hey, here, go ahead and take it. Got burnt offerings, ox, the whole thing. Just, just go ahead and take it. It was pretty generous of him. Today, uh, as you see, ah, this is pretty cool. Somebody actually brought some socks up along with it. So we're repurposing our shoes. And, uh, you know, I mean, I look in my closet. This is one of my pair of shoes, and I've hardly even worn them. And I'm like, well, some, why am I not wearing these shoes? I don't know. But somebody else could surely wear this pair of shoes, and they'll really enjoy these shoes. Why, why shouldn't we think about repurposing our stuff? Whether it's shoes, about three or four times a year, my wife and I just sweep right through the closet we pull out, you know, shirts and all this different stuff that we're not using. Every once in a while, we go out to the storage and we go, just, just, just stuff sitting around, right? Ice, chest, all kinds of different stuff. And you're like, well, it's just sitting here. Why, why couldn't somebody else use it? I heard a story this week. Uh, I guess this just happened last week over at Hope Center in East County. And uh, Eric Roundtree is the, our, our pastor over there. And uh, they're just giving stuff away all the time as a result of your generosity and a lot of other people's generosity. And uh, uh, the little boy came in with his mother. And, and so the little boy's searching around, looking at stuff, and he finds a pair of red vans. And he is stoked. I mean, this kid is just like, you know, it's like he won the lottery, and, and, and he's really excited. But his mom, Eric was watching his mom, and his mom was like super emotional. And, and she started crying. And so Eric went over to her, and he said, hey, is everything okay? And she said, well, you just, just have to know that, you know, earlier... Today, we were out looking for shoes, and we just didn't have enough money. And my son has been wanting, in particular, a pair of Vans shoes. And um, I guess it, it, just, it was one of those moments where Eric kind of got choked up himself, and he realized, just, like, just think about one pair of Vans shoes. What a difference it made in that little boy's life and in, in, in that family's life. And we have the opportunity to, every day, as Americans, most of us live, live pretty good especially when you consider the other parts of the world. Just take some of our stuff and say, how could I repurpose it? How, how could my stuff bless other people? This is all really a part of legacy. 
It, it, it's a part of saying, you know, as I learn to give, as I learn to be generous, um, that, that basically my life will begin to look like that. And it will begin to impact other people's lives. And it's not just about the fact that they're going to have a parade when you die. That's not the point. The point is that your life will have mattered to the extent that it's, it's, it's affected all kinds of people, impacted all, all kinds of people. Here, here, here's the thing, and I love the way that we stated this. If we're not intentional about our legacy, we are creating an unintended legacy. Like good old Larry the Buller. You just don't want to end that way. And, and, and so the intention is not so much that like we're plotting and, you know, how many of you in this room are planners? I mean, like you're planning your whole life out. I just want to know. Okay, that, that's the way I am. From start, I, I planned out what college I'm going to go to. I, I planned out planning churches. I mean, everything in my, I like, I want if to, I'm, if you're ever driving with me and you're going, turn left, I'm going to go, no, 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 no. I, I want to know three streets ahead where I'm going. Don't just tell me to turn left. Okay, I'm one of those kind of guys, and I suspect some of you are that way. So I've always been very um, strategic about plotting out how my life goes. It doesn't always work out the way I want it to go, by the way, but that's just the way I live. Now, my wife, on the other hand, she is just the opposite. It's not that she doesn't plan. It's just that she gets up every day, and she's kind of like, oh, flowers, and, you know, and <laughs> Bailey, my granddaughter, and, you know, Facebook, and she's just, she just kind of, and, and she has a plan. It's just like for that day, and, and maybe for the week, and some calendar stuff going on, and that's just the way, we're just opposite that way, but she, by her generosity and her big heart, also is making her life matter. So whether you do it, like, big picture like I do, or whether you do it just one day at a time. There is a legacy that's happening as a result of your life. And you have to ask yourself the question, what does that look like? What kind of a legacy is that going to be for me? Think about your stuff. Let's go back to that for a second. What is it that you have that you can, right now, help somebody else with? Do you have a second car? Do you have a third car? Just kind of been sitting around and maybe getting a little bit rusty, taking up space, and you're going, somebody could drive that car. Or, or, or maybe you have a boat, and uh, you, should, you should take somebody else in that boat. Give them a ride. Pastor Steve, whoever. <laughs> Extra surfboard, whatever. Now, but, but what is it you have? Karen and I, uh, this last week, we stayed with a, a pastor who's been very blessed by his son. His son literally bought him a 3,600-square-foot home in Rodos, that's pretty cool. But he said to himself, well, I'm not going to just keep this home for my wife, myself, my kids. He goes, I'm going to bless other people. So there's just a parade of people that come every week and stay in this, this bottom part of the house. They have these two beautiful bedrooms. And I can't tell you how many times throughout our life, my wife and myself have been invited to go somewhere and somebody said, we have a timeshare we'd like you to use. Uh, there's a place over in Mexico and, and on and on. And I'm saying this so that you can think about that. What do you have that somebody else can be blessed by. I'm assuming probably most of you in the room live in San Diego. And so you, just by living in San Diego, you live in a place where a lot of people want to come. And, and just think about that. Like one, Maybe one of your family members who lives in South Dakota and it's kind of cold over there right now or something, you know, and you're like, hey, how'd you like to come to San Diego? I got a room for you. You can hang out for a week or two or whatever. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, these are just ways that we can bless other people. Can you imagine I'd be coming, driving back to South Dakota going, I'm moving to San Diego, man. It's beautiful over there. Just so stoked about it. There's just so many, so many different things that we can do. Now, think about that just, just for a moment. 
establishing a legacy, making your life matter. Here's, here's our life, though, so often. And, th- and that is that we complain a lot about the stuff that we actually have. And, and in the meantime, the stuff that we're complaining about, like, oh, you know, that third car of mine, you know, it's, it's just taking up the space over there. And I wish it wasn't taking up that space over there. And, and uh, you know, that jet ski that I have, you know, it's, it's not running like I, I went. And there's other people going, are you kidding me? I would die just to have a car. A jet ski? I mean, think about that. You know, you have a house? And we're going, yeah, the plumbing is not so good. It's driving me crazy. But you have a house. It's, just, it's a matter of perspective. And, and, and God wants us to have his perspective. When, I remember one time, um, God blessed us with a really nice truck. And we had it for 10 years. And so at the end of 10 years, uh, it had a nice camper on it and everything like that. At the end of 10 years, I was going to sell it. And about the end of 10 years, I could have got about $3,000 for it. And I was super stoked. And Karen and I were having this conversation. And just about the time I was getting ready to put it up for sale, somebody from Newbreak, because this is right after Newbreak had just started, one of the staff members came up to me and said, have you ever thought about just giving that, church, that, that, that truck to the church? We could really use it. And that's when my dad came up in me. I'm like, what? <laughs> um, what did you say? And I hated that he said it to me, because immediately it got inside of me. And, it was, and I just started praying about it. It was one of those kind of, you ever had that kind of prayer? Like, I don't, I don't want to be praying this prayer. I don't even want to entertain the thought. I'm like, oh, man, we could use the $3,000, you know. And I just prayed about it, and I prayed about it, and, and God, I just felt it said to me, no, nah, just, just give it away. All right. All right. I'll give it away. Try to be a truthful giver as much as I can. So we gave it to the church, and right after that, somebody gave us an almost brand new minivan. I'm like, wow, you've got to be kidding. Just gave it to us. So really, it's just one of those things where God says, if you're a blessing to others, you know, I'm just going to bless you. And we, we've seen this over and over again, and it, it helps us not to complain so much, and it just gets your fire really, really stoked. We have, by the way, we have a lot of generous people at this church. I just want to say it. I, I, I'm just astounded. There was a person who gave a, a van to this church. I don't want to name the person, but somebody gave a brand new van to this church, man. It's like beautiful. And then there are other people that are like just helping with their time all the time and, and getting involved all the time. And it, it just blesses me. And you're, you're creating a legacy when you do that as well. I wanted to show you something real quick here. Here, Just so you know, kind of know what New Break is doing. This happened over at Hope Center recently. And, and uh, look at all those meals that we provided for people that are food insecure. I mean, when was the last time that you and I were really hungry? Like, really hungry. And we're like, and I don't have food. That's, that's a lot of people. 115,000 meals, 519. That, that's a lot of meals that we've provided because of people's generosity. We've got 69 people into detox, 71 into rehab, 31 people a new job that counts for something 70 people into housing that's the kind of stuff and that's just one of the ministries that we have here that new break which is made up of all you good people is establishing a legacy that's that's what we're doing so so what we need to do what i need to do what all of us need to do is we need to increase our capacity to live sacrificially then doesn't that just sound like the greatest thing ever sacrifice more and we're like ooh. Now, 
I, I don't know about you, I like to live in my comfort zone. I really, I really do. I, I, I enjoy staying in my comfort zone. And the idea of sacrifice does not have a lot of appeal to me. But I know that if I'm going to move forward and become a more giving person, caring person, compassionate person, loving person, generous person, then that's part of it. After all, Jesus said what? He said, follow me. And when he said, follow me, did he say, and if you follow me, you get to live the good life. Yeah, man, it's going to be amazing. You are just going to be living big. Is that what he said? He said, pick up your cross and follow me. He, he went on to say, if you try to gain your life, like just keep it all for yourself, he goes, you're going to lose it. He says, but if you lose your life, live sacrificially, you're actually going to gain your life. Not only in the next life, but even in, in this life as well. We have to increase our ability to sacrifice. But the king replied to Arana, no, I insist on paying for it. Why was David saying this? He goes, look at, I'm not going to sacrifice something that doesn't cost me anything. I got to get skin in the game here, man. I want something that's going to mean something to God. It's going to mean something to everybody else. Do you have skin in the game? That's what it means to be and to live sacrificially. Sacrifice means I give up something I value for the sake of something that is even better. So what's better to you? I'll tell you what's better to me is when I see the lives of our children, and it takes staff workers to to be able to put this all together, being impacted, and I see them growing up and singing songs about Jesus, and I see youth ministries, and Mason's doing such a great job, him and his wife Paige and all the youth workers, and it's impacting our students at a time when they really, really need the influence of God in their life. That means something to me. And, and that's why my wife and I, for years and years, have invested faithfully in church. We used to call it tithes, just giving 10% of our income. We, we do that because we know that in the long run, even though we may never meet some of the people that are blessed, we know that people are being blessed and people are, are, are being helped. It means I give up something that I value. And, you know, for us, I, I, we think about it sometimes. We think, well, if we hadn't given that money, what else could we have done? Taking a vacation. Well, that's pretty cool. And so you kind of have to weigh it out. And there are, but, but for me, it means more. For, and God blesses us anyway. We always take vacations whenever we can. But, but, but it's, it's, it's just kind of this thing, well, God's going to bless you, but I, I want to sacrifice it. And God goes, here's what I think. I think that God just gets giddy when you and I sacrifice. Because somehow, some way, no matter what we sacrifice, it just seems like you just get blessed anyway. Now, please hear me out. I am not trying to go television evangelist on you right now. This is not prosperity gospel. I'm not saying that if you give 100, God's going to give you 1,000. Please do not hear that. But what I'm saying is when you and I live sacrificially, something gets inside of us and it makes us happy. I uh, know a guy. And um, one day, this guy was really a part of this one church that I was at years and years ago. And uh, he was a very well-to-do guy, still is today, just extremely well-to-do. And, and uh, he was a leader in the church, and I was the pastor of the church, and, and I noticed that he wasn't being very supportive. And, and I just talked to him one day. I said, wow, I, you know, I'm just kind of wondering about that. What, what's up with that? And, and this was what he said to me. I'll never forget it. He said, Steve... He goes, I think God wants me to be happy. And I said, mm-hmm. And he said, and if I tithe and give money to the church, he goes, I won't be happy. 
I said, uh-huh. And he said, and that's why I don't give. I'm like, really? Okay. That's interesting. First of all, that's like so radically unbiblical. But, I, you know, I, I guess that's, that's the way that he thought. I wonder what his legacy is going to look like. I don't know. I don't know. It kind of makes me think. You know, the, the stress oftentimes that we have over our stuff prevents us from, from that. You're like, well, I, I can't give that or uh, I can't make that sacrifice. But really, that, that's what it comes down to. Is, and, and, and so in my life, I'll speak to my life, God has helped me to, to I mean, I have a lot of stress in my life from other stuff, okay? And I'm, God, I'm always praying about that, and God's helped me not to worry so much. But that stuff, like stuff, not so much anymore. I'm, and, and I just feel so free. I feel so liberated, and I, I know that God would like to do that inside of your life if you're like I used to be, and like I'm still struggle at times. So I just I want you to think about that. Are you struggling with your stuff? Are you like, uh, you know, or is God helping you to repurpose your stuff and just go, no, 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 I just give some of my stuff away. I want to help people. I want to bless people. I want to be remembered for that, and I just, I just want to help people. You know, the interesting thing about David here, David was the king, so what could the king do? Anything he wanted, right? I mean, he's famous. He's not just a king. He is the king of kings as far as Israel is concerned. And so he could, he could just walk in and go, uh, hey, listen, I want that, that, that threshing floor, Arana. Hey, man, just give it to me. Just, just, you know. But he doesn't do that. He goes, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to make a sacrifice that doesn't cost me anything. And he could have just, but he could have just hid behind who he was. And I think a lot of times in our life, if we're not careful, we can kind of do that. And I hear all the excuses. I hear people say things like, well, I don't like the way the church spends their money, you know, so I, you know, whatever. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't like um, some of the ways that, that some of those ministries are working inside the church. I, 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 don't, I don't do that. I, I don't tithe because I don't believe it's biblical. That's Old Testament. You know, we live in the area. We're in grace now, which means apparently in some people's minds I don't have to do anything which I've always tried to figure that one out. Because, see, see when, when grace came, under the law, you had to give, right? If you lived in an under Levitical, it was 10% right across the board. But under grace, you get to give. So that's, that's what Jesus was after. He goes, no, no, I, I don't want you to like, feel like you have to give. If you feel like you have to give, then uh, be a cheerful giver. He says, but I want you to just give with grace. David was really not about protecting his rights. He was about being right. I want to be right. I want to have a legacy. I know you do too. I want my life to matter. And if I'm always hiding behind, well, you know, this is why I don't do this, when I hang on to my rights, then my life is never going to be right. I, I, I had one pastor friend one time, and I was struggling with something concerning generosity and he looked at me and he said, and it was one of the best pieces of advice that I ever got. He said, Steve, he says, always err on the side of generosity. And I did. And in that particular situation, it changed everything for good. It's contagious. Generosity is contagious. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen and he paid 50 shekels of silver for them. But that wasn't the point. The, the, the point was, he says, I'm going to make a sacrifice to live a sacrifice your journey. To consider that, that the greatest use of a life is to spend it for something that will outlast you. 
hey, I'm getting kind of old. I'm in my sixth decade of life. And so I'm, 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 I'm seeing the, the finish line, you know, somewhere down there. I hope I live to be 100. That'd be cool. Hope I'm surfing until I'm 93. But, uh, but the finish line is somewhere up there. And, it, and so it's, something happens to you when you're getting a little bit closer to it. You really do begin to think about this kind of stuff. And here's what my dream is. I mean, you know, as a Christ follower, we all know, what, what does the Bible say? Well done, good and faithful servant. That's what the Bible says. You walk in and you're like, yay. But I want it more than that. That's not enough for me. I want to see people all over the different places that I've been able to go to, Papua New Guinea and everywhere that I've been, and the monies that I give to missionaries, I want them to come up to me and say, you know why I'm here today? Because of you. And I've already had the opportunity already in this lifetime to have a lot of people tell me that. And it just blesses me. And I'm, just, I'm not talking about just because I'm a pastor and because I speak. I'm talking about because I gave something that made a difference in their life. I want you to think about that. So I want you to think about what would be the next step in your journey in being generous? What would that be for you? Okay, in just a few moments, we're going we're gonna to give these shoes. And, and that's awesome. This is going to be fun. It's going to bless a whole lot of people. But I, I want you to think about supporting the church and maybe a way that you haven't. A lot of you are tithers. You, you give online. Um, you're, you know, you give in the automated way. By the way, for some of you that have done that, please go back and, and recheck. We, we've changed a few things and some, some security measures we've put in. So just go back and check, make, everything, make sure everything is working the way it's supposed to. But, but I, if you've never been on board in terms of actually weekly, monthly supporting the church, I would just like to put that out there today, okay? Because I know one thing, if, if more people across all of our six campuses actually were involved intentionally, weekly, we wouldn't have the problem that we're having today. And we wouldn't have to let staff members go like we did last week and like we still may have to do. I'm not sure. We're still talking about it, okay? So let me, let me pray with you. Um, and, and by the way, if you would like to get involved weekly, just go online, just go newbreak.org, and it's all there for you, and we'd love to have you get involved, okay? Heavenly Father, you sent your Son in this world to make the ultimate sacrifice, to live a life of sacrifice. Literally every day, Jesus, you lived a life of sacrifice. You modeled it for us. And, and, and we're Americans. We live in a culture where material stuff means a lot to us, probably too much. And I just pray that you've shaken up our hearts a little bit this morning in the right kind of way. Not in a guilt kind of way, not in a shame kind of way, but a, like, God, I want my life to matter. I want to have a legacy. I want to know that what I'm doing in my life is making a difference. That I'm a, a giver, not just a taker. And so, show us what we ought to do, God. Show us what steps we should take. For some of us, maybe for the first time, it's, it's, it's giving intentionally. Maybe for others of us, it's stepping it up a little bit and saying, you know, I can actually do more. I can sacrifice more. For some of us, it's our time. We've, we've, we've given our, our resources, but we've never given our time. For others of us, we have certain talents, and we've never even let anybody know about it. But those talents could be used to help the church and to help people. Some of us have an amazing story to tell. We've been holding back. Man, we need to tell that story because that story is going to bless a lot of people. So God, 
I leave it in your hands. And I leave it in the hands of your people right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.